You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead. Pride NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got plenty to discuss after week one of the NFL preseason across the NFL. Plenty of overreaction to dive into and embrace or or backtrack, if you will. Uh, But first, I need to welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. And where we begin today's show is with Charger safety Derwin James, who inks a new massive four-year $76.4 million extension averages over $19 million a year and totally resets the safety market. He will also receive $29 million in year one, which is a record for the safety position. The Chargers now have four of the NFL's highest paid defenders, I think, doing exactly what you should do when your superstar quarterback is still on a rookie deal and you can, even when you likely extend Justin Herbert next offseason, you can still backload some of that money so you still got a a few cheap years uh, of quarterback play the way the Chiefs kind of did with Patrick Mahomes yeah I mean he deserves this money there's no doubt about it and I remember us talking about the safety list from ESPN and wasn't he like number six on the list something like that yeah um yep he's the highest paid safety in NFL for a reason uh, we don't have to listen to the executive spew nonsense now and I think it's it's cool to see I don't know if you guys saw the interaction with his agent his agent uh, tweeted out um, just like him being super apple, happy, super grateful. That, that's always cool. And I, we, we should probably do a better job of, you know, highlighting that side of the business. But uh, good for Derwin. Stay healthy so we can all enjoy you, man. I mean, these guys are football players. It's what they want to do, right? It's what they've yeah. devoted their life to. Like being in a holdout type of situation or hold in now is not what these guys want to go through at this point of the season. They just want to play ball. And it's Nice to see him react that way because I really want Derwin James to play a full season of football too. Like I've really missed him on the field just because of like the injuries and stuff like that. He obviously is one of the more talented safeties in the league. Um, He kind of like, he does like all the Jamal Adams stuff, but better, right. Is kind of like the way to, to kind of explain it. Um, Just really happy. I mean, the roster construction, on the defense for Los Angeles is going to be interesting because it really does feel kind of like stars and scrubs, right? We talk about, you know, they have some of the most highest paid players on the defensive side. They have a defensive head coach who's supposed to be innovative in Brandon Staley. But then you look at the commentary after last year and it's like, well, yeah, Staley needs, you know, another year, a little bit more roster churn and stuff like that to be able to get this defense to where it wants to go just because some of those guys on the front line who are not making as much as Derwin James or Joey Bosa, um aren't really up to snuff like if they could just get baseline average around those stars 
I think this defense just takes off, right? And that's that's when I know the AFC West is really competitive, but that's when like the Chargers become like an actual, you know, threat to go to the Super Bowl. How do you guys feel about the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, and his coach speak? And, and by that I mean essentially anything he says, and it could be the most like benign, vanilla thing ever. And the internet will take it and run with it and prop him up as if he's this god. How do you guys feel about his words? I kind of have been guilty of just eating it all up and being like, "Yeah, Brandon Staley rocks. Like, like he he's a really interesting head coach." But then it's like we were talking before the show uh, about Eric Bieniemy, where I think Eric Bieniemy is kind of like that, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, where he's a fun press conference to listen to. But it's because he's good at speaking to the media and cracking jokes and like making friends with people, but he never says anything like he's just good at kind of it's spewing the coach speak and making it a little bit more interesting than some other coaches do. So he's a super likable guy, but he never actually says anything like with re- any real substance behind it. And I think with Brandon Saley, too, especially in this like analytical generation uh, of you know football analysis where he's breaking a lot of that stuff down then the the twitter football nerds are like yes like one of us he he's finally we found a head coach who embraces everything that we've been doing all these years well he he came into that role kind of primed right we as like the media were primed for brandon staley what did they say he's innovative right and he's smart those are the two things and he goes up there and he talks about cover seven and stuff like that right all the man match quarter stuff and like if you watch college football you see that a lot so it's not like he made it up specifically but he does come from that fangio tree that did kind of bring that to the nfl those kind of like it's almost like blitz coverages without a blitz with that being said when he says things like what was it the the bye week last year where he's like yeah we're trying to track like epa per like personnel packages and stuff like like (laughs) I don't actually believe that. Like, I know people who work in analytics departments and stuff around the league. And, like, that is very – man, that's, like, very caveman. Like, just looking at, like, personnel packages in EPA from, like, that perspective. With that being said, the Chargers are, like, a super small organization. I don't think people realize how small the Chargers organization is relative to kind of what the the rest of the league has. So – it's one reason why – and they have a good front office, but it's one reason why their front office has so much power is just, like, there's fewer people in the room. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they didn't have a robust analytics staff. So, like, maybe Staley is having to, like, fumble and th- thumb through a lot of these, like, analytics packages or something that, like, people are sending him. So I don't know. And- it's kind of it's kind of a mixed bag for me, but I'm more just looking forward for, for Staley. Like, this is the year – that, that defense has to take a step up. He gets a mulligan for last year. Everyone understands the situation and circumstances. I want to look at what it looks like moving forward. The reason I bring that up is because, like, Daniel Popper uh, the, from The Athletic, the, he, he's a beat writer for the Chargers. He, he, wrote a, uh, he wrote about Staley the other day in part of his – in his article. Um, this, some of the Staley quotes, uh, there has to be fearlessness to play in this game, and that's what I wanted to establish here. The history of this team when I got here, it was like someone's going to get hurt. They're going to blow a lead. And he talked about the whole charging thing. And then he talked about how he's going to change, what he's going to do. And it was just, it seemed like there were so many cliches lost in there that at one point, it's just like, what are we doing here, man? 
Like he, it, it almost seemed like for him, like I, if I'm him, I understand it. Like I would keep feeding these guys all the, you know, all the lines, the one liners that people are going to take and run with on the internet anyway. But um, I know there's a group of people who are and this goes with Herbert too. They feel like the charges are being crowned far too quickly, whether it's Staley, whether it's Herbert and they don't, they're not treated as everyone else. You guys think that's fair? Probably. I mean, I know a lot of the, I just know from like the defensive side of football, like a lot of people who are in like the college football apparatus, right. Are kind of rolled their eyes at a lot of the Staley, just like uh, blow and smoke up his butt type of thing. Cause like they run stubby, like they, they run like a couple college coverages, but like you could turn on any game, any game in the sec and you could see these coverages being played. So it's not like he innovated these things, but he did get the most out of that Rams defense. Right. And hopefully we're going to see a little bit more from the chargers this year. He moved Jalen Ramsey inside, and that was yeah. that was the biggest difference to me. Anyway, I do think that it's fair to be like maybe we shouldn't crown them or like assume that like I've seen people go as high as like picking them to win the AFC and you know being easily the best team in the AFC West. And I'm not ready to go there because, and I think they should have been a playoff team last year, even with all of the holes that they had on the defensive side of the ball. And they kind of fell apart at the end of the season. And that goes back to coaching. And yeah, you mentioned it justice. Like, Brandon Saley's a defensive guy. Like, I understand that their personnel was not good on that side of the ball last year, but if that's what he's there for and that's what you expect him to improve, like, I, I don't think they should have had the worst run defense in football last year, and they had the worst run defense in football last year. So, Tillery so went a long way for that. That's why I kind of give him a mulligan, too. Like, some of these guys you can tell just going into it, right? Like, Chicago this year. Anything that happens to Chicago this year, it, it is not – an indictment of like Eberflus as a head coach, right? Like what happens offensively um, for the giants? Like, I'm not going to hold that against Ben McAdoo just because like they have question marks everywhere all across the board. So I'm, I'm cool with waiting on another year of Staley, the crowning them thing. I almost think that's more of a Justin Herbert thing than anything else. Right? Like when we talk about the Chargers being able to take that step up and, and be able to be like an actual contender or, win the AFC or anything like that, that all revolves just around like Justin, Justin Herbert is an amazing quarterback. Does it not KP? I do not disagree at all. And it's probably always going to come back to Herbert. Like just when we're talking about this, uh, Staley's attached to Herbert. So naturally um, people are going to take out some of their frustrations and frustrations probably isn't the right word. I don't, it should be simple for us to watch Herbert and enjoy what he does without you know, going over the top with the praise. And the same thing for Staley, like we were just talking about the Rams. Like he did some very cool things with their front, put Ramsey in a position to succeed, and that helped the Rams go to another level on defense. That can be true without taking a one-liner from Staley and saying, this is the reason the Chargers are good. Like, no, that's (laughs) not how it works, man. Like, that's not the reason. They're going to be a lot better this year because they have Khalil Mack. Not doing yeah. the things that they were asking other players to do who probably shouldn't be on the field last year. They're going to be better because now he has J.C. Jackson, so he has cornerbacks to run more coverages or run more manner, uh, funnel coverages a certain type of way to uh, Derwin James, for example, uh, because he doesn't have to just live in too high or live in cover two because he doesn't trust his guys on the outside. So um, it, it goes a lot deeper than you know what we're talking about, but it's never easy for us on the internet 
to just be like, hey, this is this and that's what it is. Like it's nothing deeper. It's nothing more than that. Spending 10 minutes talking about the Chargers is a very August activity. <laughs> I just want to get that out of the way. You're but- by the way, not yeah, not not to spend much more time on this because I know we got other things to touch on. But do you guys remember who's interested in this job? Sean Payton. Oh, there he is. That's Sean, Sean Payton, right? It was Dallas. It's the Chargers, and it's the Miami Dolphins. Those were the names that got leaked. So I don't know how short the leash is. I, I things would have to get pretty bad. I think in Los Angeles for them to to pull the plug. I actually think like Miami might pull the plug after one year for, for McDaniel faster than, than year two for Staley in LA, depending on how bad it goes, just because of how high the floor is for the Chargers when Justin Herbert is under center and you got all the stars on defense, but something to keep in mind about because the pressure does get turned on and you have a guy who's won a Super Bowl who's interested in the job. Like, I don't know, maybe you do make the switch. Who knows? We do have plenty of overseason uh, or preseason overreactions to get into on today's show. But before we do, uh, I want to mention that the Cleveland Browns and and quarterback Deshaun Watson could be expecting uh, some kind of decision on his status, whether or not he's going to be available for today, if they're going to extend his suspension, possibly for the entire season. Uh, That decision could be coming up today or tomorrow, according to ESPN. But they did already say that they're going to start giving Jacoby Brissett a majority of the starting reps as their as their first string quarterback, assumedly bracing for a long Deshaun Watson suspension. Uh, They also lost starting center Nick Harris after suffering a knee injury in Cleveland's first preseason game. Um, You know, I I saw the reports that Watson looked pretty bad in uh, his preseason action. And, you know, it's been over a year since he's played football and, and stepped on the football field. So. I don't think that's too shocking, but it does feel like we're going to have a decision from the NFL, hopefully here today or tomorrow, and then we can stop talking about Deshaun Watson, whether or not he's going to play this season. Yeah, I just don't understand because they're still talking about like a settlement, right? And they already ruled the independent arbiter that was jointly appointed by the NFLPA and the NFL said that he basically broke league rules in i think it was four cases it was either four or six i can't can't remember the exact number um but that is basically what is being tried by the the guy that you know the nfl was appointed in the appeals process so i don't know if they're worried that like the appeals process is going to go into the start of the regular season and that's why they need to to um to i guess just like come to an agreement or something like that but it feels like the NFL has the power to just say, like, no, this guy's banned for a year. Like, wasn't that what Tom Brady took the NFL to court for? And the court basically said, you know, the NFL can do whatever they want. I, I don't really understand uh, what's happening in this situation. But a decision coming sooner rather than later, I think, is better. And, and the fact that Jacoby Brissett is taking a bunch of snaps is actually a change. Like, you read all the beat people down in Cleveland, and it was Watson was basically getting all the snaps the entire offseason why like they knew this was going to happen right so why did you spend let's say two months or whatever how however long they were legitimately surprised by the the extra the extra allegations they thought there were 20 there were 24 that came right so that 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 was their line of thinking yeah maybe that just goes to show you how out of the loop that they are with real life and uh what the nfl was really gonna how hard the nfl is gonna come down on them yeah So should have a conclusion to that story here in the near future. But 
Let's get into some preseason hype. And I want to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers because there was a couple of storylines from this preseason game that are absolutely out of control. But I don't know where you guys are at on wide receiver George Pickens, but I'm jumping aboard the hype train on George Pickens. I understand (laughs) it's the preseason. I'm committing. I am all about George Pickens. I think he is going to be a superstar. I can't wait to see him in the regular season because he's been an absolute stud in training camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it seems like he is being talked about more than any other Steelers player, this training camp. And then had the incredible touchdown catch in the preseason game. He just looks like a star and I'm buying into all of it. I don't care if I wind up getting hurt over it. The only issue I had with him as a receiver, and this is a pretty big issue is like, he just didn't give you anything after the catch. Like he was very limited after the catch. And like, we know that there's has to be more for the reason that he fell. But if we're talking on the field, as far as what receivers do, it's clear cut number, uh, number one, like he is who wins in isolation situations. And you're seeing that in these one-on-ones, like he's, he's making, he's creating like two, three yards of separation on five yard curl routes. Like that is very tough to do. And that just tells you how efficient he is with his footwork. And I mean, you see the 50, 50 passes. He has no problem going up and making plays in contested situations. Like he looks like the real deal. What happens when three weeks in, he hasn't scored a touchdown. <laughs> like that's a very real possibility. His quarterback is still Mitch Trubisky. I hope he balls out. I'm, I'm confident that he will be a good player, but like, who knows, man, we see so much preseason hype every year that it's, and we talked about this just uh, before coming on. These guys aren't going against the cream of the crop. So that, it makes that the whole analysis part even that more uh, challenging. But it, it's cool to see him get hyped because it's, it's so clear that he is the real deal. I mean, we talked with N'Kobe Dean pre-draft, yeah. right? And we asked him, who's the best guy in practice at Georgia? He's all this George Pickens. Like, talent has never been the issue with him. Um, Pickens played, what, three games last year? So the fact that he's able to kind of like rebound and even then he was playing limited snaps, the fact that he's able to rebound off of that injury that cost him most of his last year at Georgia. Um, I think that's a really good sign. The the Kenny Pickett stuff is where I say pump the brakes where I'm like, <laughs> he, he was playing against the third team defense. It's nice to see him do well. Let's see him do it at least against the second string in, in a very short amount of time. But he, he does it when it matters. Justice. Kenny uh, Pickett sure. turns it on when the game was on the line. He Didn't it matter in the like ACC bad. championship game or like something like that? It only or matters you... when you want it to matter. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, you know, the Kenny Pickett narrative, which, you know, if, if you're following along with Steelers training camp, it's been pretty glaring that he is the number three quarterback and it's not close. Like, Mitch Trubisky is their starter, and Mike Tomlin confirmed that with Mason Rudolph being the backup, and then Kenny Pickett is in a distant third. But then he has the 13-15, two-touchdown game, game-winning touchdown pass, and then the narrative is, oh, Kenny Pickett, proving all the doubters wrong, silencing everybody who's questioning his talent, and it's like – it is preseason. We got to slow down. I know we're starved for football, but we got to slow down because there's not that much you can really take from that Kenny Pickett performance. I've seen Deshaun uh, Deshaun uh, Kaiser throw a game winner for the Packers in the preseason, <laughs> and he was not the answer when Aaron Rodgers went down. So, how yeah. many games does Kenny Pickett start a game this season? 
I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I We had this conversation after the draft, and we were like, probably mid-season or whenever after their buy is. But I think if Trubisky is a starter, Trubisky is a starter. Maybe he goes down with an injury. I, I guess the bigger question is, like, is Trubisky going to get reps over Rudolph? I don't know. That gets into a tricky spot. Like, KP, you know how practices are run. Like, okay, think about it from this way. Like, you go into the regular season, do you want Trubisky or do you want – pick it as your quarterback three at that point because Rudolph has been in the system Rudolph like if he has to come off the bench to play snaps halfway through halfway through a game after a week of practice where he's not been prepped to be the starter and has hardly been giving any reps right like it's probably the way that you go if Pickett can't become quarterback two within the next couple weeks we're probably just not going to see him at all this season that's a good point about practice so the 49ers up until this week, Trey Lance, if they had 10 practice reps, Trey Lance would get seven, or Trey Lance would get six, Sudfeld would get two, and then Brock Purdy would get the rest. Starting this week, 10 plays, Trey Lance is getting nine of those, and Sudfeld's getting maybe one. But there's a good chance Trey Lance gets all of those. So as we get closer and closer to the season, you're going to start preparing. When you're preparing to be on the field, you're going to let your starters have it. So, yeah, I – I don't think so, man. I, it's going to be tough for Pig to play, and it could just be a redshirt year for him, honestly. Yeah. If I, it doesn't happen within the next couple of weeks, I mean, there's only two more weeks of the preseason left. so And some of those games kick off in a couple of days. So it's like really like the next nine days. If he can't become quarterback two in the next nine days, then he's probably just going to take a redshirt year. Yeah, I, I think it takes a situation where it's like, the Steelers know for sure that this is going to be Mike Tomlin's first losing season. And it, it's just a bad year. And maybe late in the season, they're just like, all right, let's just get him in a live game and, and see what he can do. I, I think that's the only way you wind up seeing Kenny Pickett this year. Uh, the New York Jets avoid disaster with quarterback Zach Wilson's leg injury or, or knee injury, I should say. Uh, he injures his meniscus in, in their preseason matchup. He's expected to miss two to four weeks. He did have surgery earlier this week, uh, but it was initially feared that it could be more serious than that, but they got good news after they got in there and cleaned the knee up. So it looks like Joe Flacco is going to be the week one starter against the Baltimore Ravens. And if you buy into the uh, Jets beat writers, then Joe Flacco has been the better quarterback than Zach Wilson through training camp anyway. So maybe this is a blessing for the New York Jets. He was last year, right? I mean, we've talked about it. Like, Wilson was probably the fourth best quarterback the Jets played last year. And that's not a reason to give up on him. I mean, it's nice that he's not going to miss this entire year. Because imagine going into year three of Zach Wilson, how much would we have learned at all if, you know, he's coming back in July of 2023? Like, what data points do we have? Is he the answer? Is he not the answer? I feel like we have no direction. So I feel like it's good. That he's going to get a look in the season. Um, all all the uh, Twitter doctors were wrong. You guys see that? All the Twitter Shocked. doctors were like, definitely an ACL tear. Like, I don't know. As someone, <laughs> right away, too. His, as someone who's torn his ACL twice, I was like, I don't know. He kind of – it didn't look that bad to me. But meniscus is, is a tricky one because all you can do is scrape it out. So I don't know what that means long term, right, because – those things don't really grow back. There's not really a way to like fix a meniscus once you end up scraping down to like bone on bone stuff, but it's nice that he's not missing time at the very least. 
How many yeah. games is Zach Wilson going to miss? Like, obviously, he's going to miss the start of the season. Do you guys think that, like, will he last double digits? Or is this just going to be, like, how his career goes? Because remember, he's not a big guy. I th- The thing is, for Zach Wilson, I'm not really worried about the injury thing for him this year. The way that he'd end up losing the job, I feel like, this year is – if someone takes over the locker room and is just like outperforming him, right? Like if he's kind of lucky, it's Flacco that's coming in and kind of outperforming him a little bit. Cause I don't think anyone is like Joe Flacco. That's my dude. Like it's not a Ryan Fitzpatrick situation where the locker room just like rallies around him. Right. But if Flacco was that guy and did outperform him and then Wilson comes back and starts stinking it up. I think that's where you get to a problem in the locker room and you're like, um, you know Salah. Salah, like, he's going to be in there. He he knows, like, locker room chemistry, all that stuff. Like, he, oh, yeah. he would make that decision if he started feeling like the locker room was slipping. I just don't think Flacco is that guy. So I don't really think Zach Wilson's at risk. And I think it was on last week's show we joked around about the Jets taking a look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and, and There I was think- a hot second where that looked like a really good take. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it already got refuted that they're not actually interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. But looking at the Jets' early season schedule, it's kind of a brutal run. Like that they start with Baltimore, who I, I think we all have high expectations for. Then the Browns, and it's probably gonna be Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, but they still have a very talented team, so that's not an easy win. Then the Bengals, then the Steelers, and we'll see how they look early in the season. But then it's the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, like those, those are all teams that are going to be a lot better this season. So it's kind of a brutal run, but I would imagine as soon as he's good to go, he's going to be the starter unless Joe Flacco just looks insane or something. And they're like, we can't, we can't, we can't leave Joe Flacco on the bench, but I, I it, it'd be hard for me to imagine a scenario where Joe Flacco really looks that good uh, for, for, for the New York jets. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Flacco, this is his job now. It's like the backup bridge guy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, Another wide receiver that has been really impressive in training camp, maybe not quite as impressive as George Pickens, but Green Bay Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously had high praise for him, which is weird because Aaron Rodgers doesn't usually praise very many people, at least not rookie players. But then he looked impressive in the Packers preseason game. He did catch a touchdown. Uh, Justice, uh, I know what you're all aboard uh, the Romeo hype train. How did you feel about his performance in their first preseason game? Pretty good. He had a couple of drops that like weren't happening in the pre, like at training camp, which I thought was interesting. Um, he had a big drop in joint practices uh, this week against the New Orleans Saints, but it seems like he's still doing pretty good. Everyone keeps asking me if the Romeo Dobbs stuff is like legitimate, and I'm like, I think he's going to be a pretty good player, but. He's like wide receiver four on the team right now. Like Christian Watson is just going to get snaps over him. Sammy Watkins is going to start and Alan Lazard is going to start. So like, I think he's probably going to get some burn as a return man. Sometimes I think you're going to see him on the field, but I think he's going to be like a four or 500 yard receiver. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's cracking, you know, triple quadruple digits at some point this season. Better than Amari Rogers. Better than Amari Rogers, factual. Amari Rogers is a punt returner who's also Randall Cobb's backup, and Randall Cobb basically just plays slot on third down. Rogers called Randall Cobb this week. He called him like a one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And I'm like, Randall Cobb is good for 300 yards a year, man. I don't, I don't understand what we're doing with this Randall Cobb thing, but he only plays one down. 
a one down wide receiver. <laughs> so uh, so he's not as good as George Pickens then. Um, so no, unfortunately <laughs> not. Unfortunately not. I mean Pickens. If Pickens were healthy be? and he didn't have any off field stuff, I think he probably easily would have been a top twenty pick in the draft. So kind of comparing apples to oranges here. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I do think uh, Packers fans should still be excited about Romeo. I think he's got a good chance of being a good player. Um, I want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and quarterback Jalen Hurts and wide receiver A.J. Brown. Um, everything coming out of Eagles camp is that they are just lighting it up in the passing game. And Jalen Hurts knows who his number one wide receiver is, and he's targeting him often. And A.J. Brown continues to make plays and look like he is that true number one wide receiver that – we all know he can be. Um, and, you know, A.J. Brown didn't get any action during uh, Philadelphia's training camp or preseason game, but Jalen Hurts did, and he looked pretty good uh, on the few snaps that he got. So I- I'm curious how you guys feel. We've talked about the Eagles quite a bit and Jalen Hurts trying to improve as a passer, but ha- what are our expectations for this Eagles team, and how are we feeling about this offense overall as we get closer to the season? A.J. Brown is just going to lift up Devonta Smith so much, and obviously Jalen Hurts – they have to stay healthy, of course, but are they, are we talking about a team that can be sneaky good? I think it just depends on what Jalen Hurts gives you as a passer, but also how creative the offensive coordinator can be because you can rely on him in the running game and do a lot of things in the running game with him. Um, I am a closet Miles Sanders fan. I think he should be a lot better than what he is. His health matters a bunch too, but whenever I watch him, it seems like he does a lot of good things. What they do on defense is going to be the reason that they're competitive. Um, their defensive line is nasty. Obviously, they drafted Jordan Davis, and um, there's some clips going around of him preseason. But I like he's going to be able to dominate anybody. Why? Because he's always done that all of his life, and that's not just going to change magically. Um, he's going to be good. I think that their secondary is much improved as well. I just – there's Safety was what really killed him last year. Huge huge and and be able to get uh Jaquaski tart like he's not a big name but he's one of the more solid safeties in the nfl you can do a lot with him and you no know, uh, you get darius slay for another year james bradbury the giants cast off for whatever reason so they, they should be good on paper they're good we'll see if you know the chemistry is there and whatnot but I, I i don't have many issues with the eagles and i think they have a, a lot fewer questions than they did going into last year so my thoughts whenever aj brown comes up it's not even really with the Eagles. I, I agree with all the points KP was saying. Like, I think this team is in the wild card hunt in the AFC in a pretty you know weak AFC, I think. But when A.J. Brown comes up, I'm like, you think the Titans regret it? I kind of think the Titans regret it, right? Like, look at their wide receiver roster right now. It's like Robert Woods, a bunch of no-name guys, and then Traylon Burks, who is still getting playing time into the fourth quarter of the preseason opener. <laughs> He's had asthma issues throughout um, – throughout the summer and then you're hearing stuff about playbook stuff which is what the big question mark was coming out was was for him coming out of arkansas where they just basically you know designed a bunch of play it, it's like it's very similar to the Kadarius tony stuff where you're like oh the gadget player is used like a gadget player because he doesn't really know how like the nuances of the wide receiver position so they're not asking him to do that and that doesn't really prep him for the nfl level right so the A.J. Brown one of all the wide receiver moves, right? You look at how much was given up for, like, Hollywood Brown, right? Like, I wouldn't have done that. The A.J. Brown trade, I was like, dang, I kind of wish Green Bay would have gotten in there and, and been involved a little bit. I do kind of wonder, like, if the Titans regret that because 
if Robert Woods goes down, like what is their passing offense? Like they might not have an outlet. Look at all the other contracts from like that class of receivers. They could have matched that. AJ Brown tweeted it himself. So um, that's what AJ Brown was like, dude. I wanted to be here. What they gave me was like a weren't they given? They offered him like eighteen mil or something. Yeah, or and everybody else getting like something crazy. Yeah, like it was just not gonna happen. Like be realistic. Like maybe they're just not gonna pay wide receivers. And maybe that's kind of like their goal because, I mean, they are the most like smash mouth. I, I, I think we kind of group running teams together in the NFL a lot more than we actually should. Like the Tennessee Titans are like the Stanford football of the NFL. Like they are power football, eye formation, so run it down the watch. middle, West Coast play action. Like that is what they are. And I guess I get devaluing wide receiver if you're going to do that, but better hope Derrick Henry's healthy because if not, like, your offense sure spirals real quick. It is very worrisome that they had Traylon Burks playing with the like third, fourth string guys late into the fourth quarter of preseason game number one. He was one. out there with Kenny Pickett. He was playing, was playing Kenny Pickett ball <laughs> against XFL starters. Steve, what does that tell you when you see a first rounder, a high draft pick playing into the fourth quarter? What do you think that tells you the staff thinks about him? I mean, I, I think it specifically, and I want to talk about Malik Willis here too, because he did have some uh, really flashy plays in that game. It's one, I, I think that it says something about who the coaching staff is, because I think that Mike Vrabel is the kind of guy that's like, I don't care where you were drafted. If you're not playing well, like, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to play you with the backups. And I think there's some coaching staffs that say, this guy's a first round pick. We can't put him out there with third stringers and four stringers. Um, but I think that Tennessee is kind of that type of organization. And, you know, Burks has missed some time in practice. So so maybe he, he's still not there yet and he's been dinged up a little bit. So maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, to me, it just says that Mike Rabel's like, he's nowhere near where we want him to be. And if he's going to be a starter in our offense, then he, he's got to figure some things out. He's got to put a lot of work in still. So it's not what you want to see when you trade AJ Brown and then you go draft that guy with the draft pick that you got for AJ Brown. Um, it's not great, but I, I want to get your guys thoughts on Malik Willis because he did have, uh, you know, a, a nice touchdown run, uh, a big deep down the field throw, like ha- had his moments, but then even like what I was getting to with Mike Vrabel, he said after the game, Oh no, I pulled Malik Willis. He would have gotten more time, but he kept running and not throwing the football. And I wanted to see him throw the football. So I took him out of the game because he was bothering me that he kept running the football without, without going through his reads. I mean, it's that offense, right? We just talked about it. Like it's it's that Stanford offense. And you have a guy who's freelancing when everything is supposed to be like dictated one, two, three out. Like that's why Tannehill has been able to do well in that play action shot stuff. I, I get it. Like, Watching Malik, you obviously understand the highlights, but at the same time, too, it's I don't think he's ready just yet. And I don't think that's an indictment on a rookie quarterback. Like, I, I don't think any of the we just talked about Kenny Pickett, first round pick, who's QB3. So I don't think any of these quarterbacks are ready to play just quite. How is and we and when, when you talk about these guys in my mind, I'm wondering, like, how close is he to playing? Obviously, he's probably not going to play this year because of Tannehill, but. I wonder what they're expecting out of Willis because the way that you talked about their offense, you know, the smash mouth under center um, play action, that seems perfect for Willis because you can design a lot off of the running game with him. Like you can get him involved. Yeah. You get um, him involved in package plays like yep. they did with like Trey Lance, right? Like they did that last year, Trey Lance and 
what was it like week three or whatever against the Packers? He he was running stuff at the goal line where you could do some of the Cam Newton stuff where your team's already good at at pulling guards and stuff. You can run power, you can run counter, and you could do it with a quarterback. So it's eleven on eleven football instead of just having it be a handoff. So I would expect the team definitely uses some sort of packages for Malik. I just don't think that he's going to be really in contention to start anytime soon. When you when you bring that up too, people think when you think about a running quarterback. Lamar is an outlier. Lamar is faster than everybody on the football field. That's that doesn't that's not the only way for a quarterback running running game or running play to be successful. I think Willis is probably a lot more sustainable for like your every down uh, quarterback just because he has the size and he has good vision and he falls forward when you tackle him. So um, I would be surprised if we don't see uh, Willis worked in over the course of the first half of the season in that in that sense anyway. I would like to see them get creative and utilize him in different looks like you guys were talking about. Um, going back to the Titans pass catchers, it's like if any of those wide receivers get hurt, it's like who's their top pass catcher? Austin Hooper at tight end <laughs> like might be their best offensive weapon outside of Derrick Henry. It gets ugly fast for Tennessee. Yeah, really bad. I mean, this is a team that be like, Odell, what do you think of Nashville? What do you think of Nashville? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, they, there has to be options out there. Like, this has to be a team that has to be a contender for trade deadline, wide receivers, guys who are cap casualties, you know, in week two, three, four, five of the season when it looks like, you know, vets are on a, a, a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Like, this team has to make a move at wide receiver, right? Like, they can't just go into it with, like, Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook. That can't, that can't be the answer. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine they're going to look at bringing in a veteran uh, of some kind at some point in Tennessee. But let's take a quick time out right here. When we get back, we'll get into some more of our uh, preseason reactions from week one of the NFL preseason. That's coming up next on NFL University. <laughs> Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Uh, the New England Patriots, whose offense we talked about last week is kind of falling apart or looking really terrible, and it looks like they have no idea what they're doing with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, did play a preseason game uh, this past week. And uh, running back James White, who 
It's one of the more underrated players in that Patriots offense for a long time. Did announce his retirement from the NFL. So it sounds like second-year running back Ramondre Stevenson is going to step into that James White role uh, now that James White has retired. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or feelings on Ramondre Stevenson. Personally, I like him more than Damian Harris, and I would like to see him have a bigger role in the offense this season. Let's let's dial let's dial back here and talk about Joe Judge and um, Matt Patricia. So what were they thinking coming into this offseason, right? Like, what were the expectations? We have our first-round quarterback going into his second season. There's nothing that they could do about, you know, Josh McDaniel taking another coach. Like, that's something you want to happen. But, 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 if that's the case, why not? And you don't have to pluck everybody from the McVay-Shanahan tree, but why not bring in somebody, you know, who's this innovative guy who runs a lot of the same things that we do and instead – they go with Patricia and Judge, who are coming off some of the worst coaching jobs in the NFL. Like, that's probably the most surprising thing. And I understand they're Belichick guys, but if we're talking about putting not only Jones, uh, Taquan Thornton, uh, some of your young prospects on offense in the best position to succeed, how is familiarity the key? It is interesting, right? Because it's like none, none of the players seem to like Judge or Patricia to the point that, like, they reacted on social media with happiness, right, when those guys were fired. At what point does, like, the Patriot Way stuff start losing its shine when you see Bill Belichick in his third year not having a lot of success with the Pats and Tom Brady's won a Super Bowl and, you know, pushed deep into the playoffs two other times, right? At what point does that kind of, like, switch for players where they were like, I don't know. Maybe it was Brady. Maybe I don't need to deal with guys like Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia under Bill Belichick and stuff like that. With that being said, I do like Ramondre Stevenson. I do kind of wonder how the change in the offense like impacts him because I liked him more as like a downhill runner, right? Like behind the fullback when they were doing a bunch of that stuff. And now it seems like they're going to start running like you, you were mentioning KP. They're running a lot more of like the Rams type of stuff, Niners type of stuff. Um, do I want Ramondre Stevenson running stretch all those times? Do I want him catching pitches and stuff like that? Probably not. I wanted I want him to be a downhill runner. Downhill. Get your foot in the ground. We're gonna and run. He's some good at that. Stuff. Very he's good at it. <laughs> yeah, he he is a a thick, powerful running back and I just want to see him utilized more in this offense because I think he's a talented player. But as far as their offense goes, like you guys were saying, it's I think we even talked about it last week. Like, I think that there's a strong case to be made. They are the two worst head coaches in the NFL over the last several years. And Urban Meyer denial. Wow. And, <laughs> you know, he doesn't count. He's not a real person. And, you know, and maybe we're seeing a, a shift a little bit with Belichick uh, again, like you were saying that like, you know, Tom Brady's not there anymore. It's not, we just win no matter what anymore. And there's some growing pains here where you're like, what are you doing with Mac Jones? Like I, I personally don't believe that Mac Jones is a superstar quarterback, but he showed enough promise as a rookie that, okay, you build around that and, and see what you can develop it into a little bit more. And it seems like this is the opposite of how you do that, of just giving the offense over to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge because they're former assistants and you want to you want to make sure that they stay employed in the NFL. The Patriot way takes a lot of buy-in, 
right? That's why those guys from the Patriots haven't had success elsewhere. Because they say, no, you're an arm or a leg off of Bill Belichick. You're not actually Bill Belichick. I just wonder when that actually comes for Bill Belichick. Like, how many more years until players start to kind of, like, roll their eyes and say, like, no, nah, you did that because of Brady, right? Because people are going to start thinking about that. Like, if you give them enough time and you don't have success, that's just naturally where the conversation is going to go at some point. The Kansas City Chiefs did lose their first preseason matchup against the Chicago Bears this past weekend. And On the terrible field. How bad was the field? <laughs> it I was saw bad. the pictures before the game, and it's just all um, torn up. It was bad um, to the point where – you know, Patrick Mahomes was asked about it and he was like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's football. You just play through whatever, like gave, gave typical quarterback answer. And Andy Reid was just like, it was bad. It was trash. Like, and Andy Reid's never that upfront and honest about anything. And Andy Reid was like, yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, we weren't happy about it at all. Um, so I, I don't know what the standards are for field requirements in the NFL, but if Soldier Field can continue to be that terrible uh it, it seems like the standard should be a little bit higher for these athletes before do you, they do you know why it sucks so bad no so it i think it's under like the uh it's the jurisdiction of like the parks district in chicago so the bears are just like yeah we don't we don't pay for it because the stadium is owned by the city anyway right and then the city is having beef with them because they want to move the team up up north to like arlington heights or whatever like an hour away so now the city is basically just like not taking care of the field as a response to that. Just like, dude, hire someone. Bears, <laughs> hire someone to take care of the damn field. Like this is going to be a problem the entire year. It's only August. They can afford lawn maintenance. Yes, an organization. They've had the team for a hundred years. Like you guys got the money. I know you got the money to have someone to cut grass. Get real. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. But uh, I do want to talk about uh, the Chiefs and their performance a little bit against the Bears. And yeah, the Bears starting offense didn't look very good. Um, didn't see much from Justin Fields, uh, kind of what we expected from a, a team that's likely going to be one of the worst in the NFL this upcoming season. But uh, I did see a little bit from rookie running back Isaiah Pacheco, who has been the most hyped player in Chiefs training camp easily this year. And He's exciting. I'm not willing to go there just yet the way I am with George Pickens on Isaiah Pacheco, but he's intriguing. He is exciting. I, it's He is a, a little bit of a thicker running back. He's like 260, 16 pounds. He's got the 437 40-yard dash, and he was a seventh-round pick, but you know he played at Rutgers, and they were not a good football team while he was there. He so played I'm, at Rutgers. I'm, will, I'm willing to blame some of it on that, why he was a seventh-round pick. Okay, today, Eric Bienme, Chiefs offensive coordinator, says their former first-round running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, needs to get in better shape. Not great um, on the heels good. of preseason all-everything Isaiah, um, seventh-round running back Rutgers, who, if you see any clips on Twitter, you think this guy is the best thing smoking, man. You think he's going to be the reason that the Chiefs win another uh, ring. I think speed matters for the uh, for the Chiefs because uh, Jerry McKinnon last year, like they were at their best, and it's I don't know if this is a low bar or whatever, but like 
he was able to do things CEH couldn't. And that was essentially just because he could run, like he could do things out of the backfield. So I imagine they're probably getting those same vibes this year with the rookie. Do you think it's sustainable though? And is, or is this just another preseason darling? I guess that's probably uh, what the chiefs need to figure out. But again, at the same time, they need production out of the backfield and he seems like their guy, right? I think he's got a shot. I mean, I don't know how you feel, Stephen, but like running backs, it seems like if there's one position group where you can get worked in early, it's always running back. I mean, to your point, both of your points about like speed out of the backfield, like when we talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a potential first-round pick, it wasn't like inside zone runner. It was all the stuff he was doing when he split out offset in the shotgun and he's running wheel routes or corner routes and stuff like that, and he just – for whatever reason, I mean, maybe it is a weight or conditioning issue, hasn't been able to translate that to the NFL level. We did see that for spurts out of Jarek McKinnon uh, this past season, and I thought that was probably the best the Kansas City Chiefs looked like from an entire game standpoint. Not, you know, we always talk about, like, the first two drives or whatever and how it's scripted and they look good and then they fall off. But from, like, a full game perspective, I thought they were always better when McKinnon was getting some reps. And if, you know, he's able to get them – those type of looks, I mean, why not? We saw them have success in that type of offense. We've seen them go after a running back with that type of skill set that, for whatever reason, hasn't translated. So if they give the keys to a six-round running back, I don't think they care that he's a six-round running back if he can do those things. Tyreek was like a six-round pick, wasn't he? Sixth or fifth, uh, fifth something round. like that? Fifth round. Yeah. I, I think you guys are pretty right on with it. And this coaching staff has been asked uh, several times over the years, like, why don't you guys use Clyde in the passing game? Like, you know, that was such a big part of his college tape and why you guys said you drafted him at the end of the first round. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he has just not shown the type of explosion that you need and the type of pop and speed that you need in the NFL, especially in this offense where, yeah, they need, they need the, they need the place to develop fast. And then if they don't develop fast, then you get Mahomes outside the pocket and he can create himself. But Clyde just hasn't shown that kind of game speed that you need there. And, yeah, I think their offense looked the best version of itself when Jarek McKinnon was their running back last season because they were utilizing elements of their offense that they had just totally kicked to the curb uh, for the last couple of years. And we hadn't seen it since they had had a healthy Damian Williams like during the 2019 playoff run. And it had been that long since they had utilized those, those screen, those design screens that Andy Reid loves so much. And, you know, Pacheco, I think the, the biggest thing that I've been impressed with him so far in training camp is the way they're utilizing him as a pass catcher. Like they're giving him a lot of routes. They're giving him a lot of opportunity to catch passes. And so the Chiefs know they need that element in their offense, especially after moving on from Tyreek Hill and, I think that's what's going to make him a, a vital part of the offense this season. Like coming out of training camp, I was telling myself he's going to be the RB three. It, it'll be Clyde. It, it'll be Jarek McKinnon. It'll be Pacheco. And then Pacheco's getting reps as the number two running back in their preseason game. And Jarek McKinnon didn't play. Jarek McKinnon also mispracticed today with a hamstring injury that popped up. Um, so, you know, he might not be healthy right now, but I think that Pacheco is their number two running back. And if Clyde isn't playing well, he might have a strong chance of being their number one running back, like by the end of the regular season. And McKinnon's think, always dealt with injuries. Like if yeah. they go and if they go into it thinking McKinnon and Pacheco, those are our backs that set us up, you know, for the best offense moving forward for the season. 
McKinnon's out of the picture with an injury. I can see Pacheco being that guy. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't they, right? At some point, I mean, this is a team that is contending, right? It's not a team that is really, like, trying to, like, spend a bunch of developmental snaps across the board. If you got to pull the trigger, you got to pull the trigger at some point. Like, the AFC West is going to be super competitive this year. Why are we waiting another year to get this running back involved in the passing game? Though you talk about like CH and getting involved and why Pacheco is probably a better option just because you talk about, you know, the lack of explosion. Those underneath routes mean nothing if you can't make somebody miss. Like the, you're throwing a three yard flat. Now it's second and seven. What are you doing for us? You're not bringing anything to the table. Now Mahomes has to run around, you know, create magic on his own as opposed to, again, just like three or four reps with McKinnon where if he just turns one of those into like a 20, 30 yard gain, that's the difference of being ahead of the chain. So it does make a lot of sense, you know, why they're kind of shifting away from CH. It, it also does suck that they invested what they invested in him as well. though. The Seattle Seahawks were set to give quarterback Drew Locke uh, the starting role, at least for preseason game number two coming up on Thursday. Uh, but then Drew Locke tested positive for COVID. So now he is going to be out. Uh, Geno Smith. Is their starter, if you ask Pete Carroll, who prior to Drew Locke testing positive for COVID, Pete was like, Gino's the starter, but we're going to give Drew the nod preseason game number two. We just want to see him get more reps. He tests positive for COVID. So Gino Smith is probably going to play on Thursday now because Drew Locke's not going to be available. But um, they, they both had decent preseason number one outings. So Gino Smith is the starter. I don't think we need to spend that much time on Drew Locke and Gino Smith. No, I don't, I don't care about the Seahawks until week one <laughs> when it's Russ coming back and, and seeing what what the reaction of the crowd is. Uh, I do want to talk about Texans rookie running back Damian Pierce. Uh, he's easily looks like the Texans best running back and they've got Marlon Mack. Uh, they've got what I assume is a 50 year old Rex Burkhead still on the roster for some reason. Uh, but Damian, I didn't Pierce, realize he was still with us. That, yeah, that's he surprising. Is, he is still actively on the Texans roster, still actively ahead of Damian Pierce on the uh, Texan depth chart right now. I've got a friend who works in Houston Texans radio, and I've talked to him a lot about their rookie running back. And he's like, he looks like he's one of the most talented offensive players that they have. And the coaches refuse to acknowledge that he's the best running back on the team. So he might not be their starter week one, but it seems like he's inevitably going to be the starter sooner or later. When you're the Texans, I don't know why you wouldn't just get it out of the way. You don't know Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Any. No, not at all. Speaking of players you didn't know were still around, do you guys remember Geronimo Allison? Yeah. Geronimo Allison. Packers legend Geronimo Allison. You, you take a guess, a wild guess where he's at right now. He's on, oh, he's on a team. He's on a team. Raiders. Atlanta. Atlanta. You got it. Really nice. Yeah. I was just trying to think of teams with bad wide receiver groups. <laughs> well, you nailed it. You nailed you it. Dude, the, 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 the Atlanta preseason game was nuts. You get Geronimo Allison. He had like a wide open touchdown if he just like caught the ball and turned around. But then he looked very unathletic trying to turn around and was stopped short of the goal line. Uh, Felipe Franks, who is now a tight end, uh, they threw a slot fade to him and he, he missed the high point on it. Weird team to watch in the preseason. I still don't really know what Atlanta's doing, but Marcus Mariota looks solid. Yeah, I had no idea Geronimo Allison was still floating around the NFL. Um, I, I had a Falcon. the season. 
I had a Falcons fan DM. I know he, he got hurt, but I had a Falcons fan view me say, "Wow, you were right about Drake London. Like he is good." Um, <laughs> yeah. Who who knew? Top ten receiver. Uh, uh, final thing uh, I want to mention before we get out of here: Washington running back Antonio Gibson had a rough preseason outing. Uh, only carried the ball a handful of times. Also lost a fumble during the game. Uh, rookie Brian Robinson looked pretty good. He, I think he had six touches and a touchdown in the contest. And then Antonio Gibson was running with the special teams uh, unit during practice this week. I don't know if this is Ron Rivera punishing him or if it's like any indication that like, no, we've just totally lost faith in Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson is playing himself into a possible starting role for Washington. Tough scene. I mean, th- that was one of the teams that actually used two backs on the field at the same time last year. Quite a bit. And it, if you can't use Gibson, because I don't think Brian Robinson really fits that type of an offense, right? Like the the two, uh, like a two back offense. And again, it's not like they were doing it every play. But if that really happens, I think it's really like a one back offense. And then maybe it's running back by committee, switching them out on you know every two plays or something like that. But it doesn't end up being you getting two running backs on the field, which is one of the ways Washington was actually able to move the ball. I know everyone talks about Arizona and stuff as teams that are like super spread teams, but Washington was way up there in terms of like how many actual like tight end bodies were on the field. Like they hardly played any of them. You had guys like you had guys who were like college wide receivers lining up in like a two point stance in tight end formations and them saying, yeah, that's when we're going big. Like it's a spread team. And I believe they do still have J.D. McKissick, so he could be, uh, you know, he's going to be in that pass-catching down role. But did you guys see the clip that was circulating of that interview with Carson Wentz? (laughs) Um, I did. I don't remember uh, what outlet it was from, but the guy... It was a TV channel. Yeah, he was just holding nothing back, just... You know, so Carson, what do you think uh, about all the reports about you just being awful and, and like being terrible and just being a whole like, so the Eagles right? didn't want you. The Colts didn't want you. Yeah. Here's I a long the, list of everyone else who didn't want you. Washington's team president came out and was like, don't expect any, any like one-offs <laughs> anymore after, after you did this. So was I don't he know. Out of line for what he said. For no. how he presented the question? Probably not. I mean, it sure it certainly wasn't nice, but like you ask a guy, like, damn, you went through something, obviously. Uh, like, how did that go? You probably could have worded it different, but I don't think it was extremely out of line. Yeah. He I, was I, given up on by two teams. Like, we don't have yeah. to pretend he wasn't. It's I, we don't I think he's been productive or good either. Yeah. Yeah. Most I think media members would try to find uh, a softer way to ask that (laughs) than the way it was presented. And it is kind of a drag if you work for, you know, Washington sports media and that guy just ruined it for everybody. (laughs) Like, like exclusive interviews. Oh no, no, we're not, we're not playing this game anymore. And it's already a dumpster fire of an organization, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes we are a little too sensitive around that stuff. And it's not like Carson Wentz has done anything to that we should like feel really bad about it. Like he's now burned bridges at two different organizations where it seems like his teammates just really did not like him. It seems like yeah. coaches don't like him and management didn't like him. Like he kind of brought some of that on himself. There's just probably softer ways to go about it. Yeah, he doesn't play well with others. 
But uh, thank you guys for listening to this week's edition of NFL University. You can follow KP on Twitter at KP underscore show. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing on Apple and Spotify. We will talk to you guys next week.